We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jonathan Taylor remains a cult, kind of. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about survivor pools, taking a look at week one for DFS, and a whole lot more with the guys from the Fancy Football Consultants here on the Rotowire Fancy Football Podcast. everybody welcome to the rotowire fantasy football podcast i'm jeff erickson here uh we have a lot to talk about today and i'm going to do it with eric lee and gary kurtzman from the fantasy football consultants you can check out their youtube channel uh where they have most of their content where they talk about their rankings they talk about just dfs they talk uh, all things there i'll let them explain it here eric gary welcome to the show how you guys doing hey we're doing fantastic thanks for having us on absolutely uh so let's talk before we get into uh, the Jonathan Taylor issue, tell us about Fantasy Football Consultants and what you guys do. Uh, I know you've been together for like five, six years doing this, uh, and I know you have a great YouTube channel. Tell everybody what it's all about, please. Yeah, it's our sixth season. Um, we're unique in the sense that we're the consultants, so you're getting two different opinions, which sometimes, Jeff, we agree, and then often we do not agree. I also have right. a co-host, co-host as well, uh, Michael Wiley, and we're passionate about the NFL. That's what we focus on the fantasy football consultants. And our goal is not only to give our takes and our opinions, but to back up those opinions, but to do it in an entertaining way. Um, Kind of in our second life after being in the business world, we're both teachers. So as teachers, we know it's important that when we're communicating ideas, that we do it in an entertaining way that engages our audience. And uh, uh, it's been a fun ride. Jeff, you know this, I think when you are doing YouTube, it's so much better than, let's say, having a television show because it isn't all one way. You know, you have right. the comment section, you have the ability to interact. Exactly. Exactly. And let's face it, it's better when you don't agree, right? You know, then you actually have something to discuss, something to debate. So it makes for, for a lot more entertaining uh, product there for sure. Um, the big news of the day is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, obviously, didn't get traded. Goes on, you know, remains on the pup list. I guess, you know, I think, I think I, I want to make that, that clear. It's not like they said, okay, now we'll put you on. The, he's been on the pup list. They just didn't activate him. They had a deadline yesterday. They didn't activate him from the pup list. We know he's going to miss at least four games, at least. Could be more. How are you guys handling him with your rankings, with your advice, and how to handle the situation? Yeah, it's tough, right? Because it's a fluid, free-flowing situation. I don't think the Colts, quite frankly, uh, know what the outcome is going to be on this. Uh, because the reality is, look, Jonathan Taylor is on the pup list. So he's going to miss at least the first four games. But, you know, the key words there are at least, right? Because when you think about incentives, right, Jonathan Taylor has already proven to the NFL world what he's all about. He's already proven uh, that he's one of the top rushers in the NFL, that he's got the full-blown skill set. He can handle the, the first, second, third downs, uh, pass catching out of the backfield, goal line carries, et cetera. Um, so he's got nothing left to prove in what is essentially a contract year for him because he's he's going to walk after right. at the end of the year. In fact, even on the pop, he had what six teams, uh, you know, engaged in serious conversations. Two of which actually came forward with uh, with contract offers, none of which were good enough for the Colts. Um, I think if there's a loser in this situation, it's got to be the uh, the Colts management. Um, of course, Jonathan Taylor is going to get paid. One way or the other, he looks like it's not going to be from the Colts. But, you know, they had all summer to deal with this. 
They had all summer where they knew what he wanted. They weren't going to engage in any serious contract negotiations with him. They weren't going to engage in any serious trade talks with other teams. And then, you know, at the end of the preseason, they come, you know, basically 180 and say, okay, look, you go ahead. We'll give you permission to uh, try and make a trade. And then they give him a dead, oh, but it has to be by Tuesday, right? So they shorten the window tremendously. And then they go further and they say, look, we want a first round draft pick. We want a boatload of cash, something that they know that other teams aren't going to be able to, uh, to come up with because it's not in anybody's best interest, not in this running back market. So essentially what they've done is they've poisoned the deal with Jonathan Taylor. They yeah. got a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson that it would be great if you could take some pressure off and say, hey, we got a Pro Bowl running back. Now they don't even have that. Uh, you know, this is this is just a bad situation to be avoided all the way around. So, Eric, what do you do in terms of drafting him? Do you, uh, you know, I know you guys updated your rankings, but, yeah. I, you know, got to be, I've got a draft tonight, for instance. Uh, I don't want to click that button. I don't want to draft him. Uh, no. How far does he have to fall before you're willing to roster him if you're drafting tonight? So, Jeff, I'm already uh, a recovering Jonathan Taylor uh, owner from last okay. year. I got burned. I had the first overall, uh, overall pick. Um, so the direct answer to your question is we dropped him from uh, a running back nine to a running back 16. Be honest with you. I think that, that he's going to be gone by the time that we're going to draft. And I'm okay. I'm okay missing out on that particular mm -hmm. headache. Even if everything was great, I had concerns about Jonathan Taylor on the Colts in the sense that I don't think it's going to be a very good team uh, this year. And Anthony Richardson is a running quarterback that, could uh interfere so i don't know i mean uh yeah i mean I, I i get it i think the other big concern frankly it all comes back to what we were talking about earlier with incentives and that is it picture this where after four games let's say he comes off the pup list after four games which is no guarantee right but let's say that he does and as running back to get dinged up as they always do you got to ask yourself the question what is jonathan taylor's incentive mid-season end of the season to put his body on the line week in week out for the Colts when he's in a contract year and he's got nothing left to prove the NFL world. What he really needs to do is come out of the season in one piece. So exactly. dinged up. I do not trust him if, uh, to, to play hurt. I think he takes the game off. I think he cites an injury and the NFL world goes on with life. And honestly, I would be surprised to get more than a half a season out of Jonathan Taylor. I really would. But a direct answer to your question, Jeff, is in a 10 or 12 team league, I don't want him in my first three picks. I don't want to be relying on him to be. Now, you'd feel good to disagree. Gary already gave me a look, but <laughs> like I said, we disagree. Um, I don't want to have to rely on him in my first three picks, right? So if right. he gets to the fourth round is when I'm starting to entertain him. But I honestly think he'll probably be gone. So I think he's going to go later than that. I think if you get him, if you want him in the fourth round, you're going to get him. I, I was looking at the NFFC this morning uh, and they had a couple of drafts in their primetime draft, which is the $1,600 uh, entry on their overall contest. And they, there was two of those drafts. He went 62 and 78 overall in those two yeah. drafts. So I, I think people are running scared. I mean, let's face it. If he's missing four games, and he's at the height of his powers when he comes back. Sure, I'll take him there. But I, I'm not prompt like you guys said. It could be a half a season. Yeah, I've, I think I'm going to have him in the 80s in my rankings. I, I've got a new set of rankings coming up today, and I, I, I think it'll be like running back 30 for me. I'm going to push him way down. Whoa. Okay, I, you, you, you're definitely not getting him. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Which is okay. I, I think right. that's actually it is okay to miss out on a guy. It's more in, in fantasy football. It's more of a danger of picking a guy yes. way too early. Than, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think the, the, the only benefit, if you wanted to talk yourself into taking him earlier, so let's take the flip side of the situation. If you, as a viewer, as a listener, if you wanted to talk yourself into taking him early, I think the argument you have to go with is that you can survive until your fantasy playoffs and you want one of the best running backs in the NFL for the fantasy playoffs. Now that doesn't guarantee that mm -hmm. he's going to be playing in weeks 15, 16, and 17. But if you want to, if you're willing to roll the dice and take the chance, it's like a flyer, right? That's it's true. Like a late round flyer at that point. And he's the ultimate late round flyer because if he is, first of all, if you survive the playoffs and second of all, if he plays with week 15, 16, and 17, uh, he'll be a Super Bowl winner for you. He could be oh, fresher too. That that might be the trade-off, you know. And the thing is, the other thing, he hasn't done any physical activity on the field with the Colts since his injury against the Vikings in December. 
he has he hasn't done one practice. He hasn't done one mini camp, one OTA. What if you know the ankle? We don't know about the ankle. That's the other unknown, right? Like we we don't even know for sure how strong he's going to be coming back from that ankle injury. No, that's true. I mean, I take a little bit of solace, a little bit of comfort in the fact that he has gotten a couple contract offers already. That's so true. he's convinced other teams that he's healthy, that he's motivated, that he's ready to go. No guarantees because there are no guarantees in football. But you're right. You are absolutely right. He has not shown – first of all, he's not shown up in practice field, which means mm -hmm. you don't know what kind of shape he's in, right? And right. nobody but nobody shows up on the fact practice field on day one in football game shape, not even exactly. Jonathan Taylor. So there's going to be a process there. But second of all, he hasn't even shown up for his own team. So right. we don't know what the locker room dynamics there are earlier. There's just – there's a lot of unknowns, which gets me to be like you, to drop him way down. Expectations for me, like I said, half a season. Don't know what kind of shape he's in. I view him as more of a, a flyer, if you can make it to the playoffs kind of player. Exactly, exactly. And I think, but that, it, it's one of those things too. And we, we have a very, we have a moving target right now. We have so little draft data, so little ADP based on the, the current information. We have like 20 drafts in the NFFC underdog, wherever your platform you like to play on. There's been some drafts, but I was in a draft last night where he dropped to, I think, pick like 95 or something like that. And I also didn't get him. I didn't click it. So, you know, I had that <laughs> chance um, and I still chose not to. So um, it, yeah. it, I was it, I'm chicken little with this guys. There's, I am so afraid of what could happen here. I just, I, it's a big I, stay away from me. I, I hear you, Jeff, at some point, and you, everyone has to decide, but at some point in the draft, you have to switch to focusing on high upside Yeah, for guys. sure. And that's right. That's about the sweet spot there. Yeah. Guys. So um, when you are when you feel like you've gotten your, your key guys on your team that is going to drive your team, I think that's when you should start thinking about, okay, uh, do I want to take a chance? Knowing that it could be a complete flop. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But also knowing that come playoffs, you may have, uh you know someone that could be a superstar exactly exactly and you know the thing is there is there is that sweet spot of where it is the right com uh, confluence of risk and upside and you know uh, i certainly whoever the guy that drafted him last night at that spot you know yeah he he hit that pretty well and i was i was thinking about it for the following round but that it was like okay fine um if he's my rb4 okay fine not my fourth round pick but my rb4 then maybe i'll do it but you know there's there, you could probably uh, an aggressive approach might happen. We still have a couple of free agent running backs out there. I saw a note uh, earlier today from Tom Pelissero that uh, Kareem Hunt is generating more interest now that we've gone through the first round of cuts. Uh, he is he's out there available. Uh, Leonard Fournette's available. Uh, anybody that got cut over the first round of roster cuts yet or the final roster cuts yesterday, uh, they're available. So I think we might see a lot of movement in this next week. I think so. I read that too. And the, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting slash funny about that was one of the teams that are rumored to be in the hunt are the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, of course. Because they're going to need somebody. And, it, you know, first of all, who's going to be there week one? You know, it's not going to be Jonathan Taylor, but, uh, you know, they, they got injury problems up the wazoo, right? I mean, you know, yep. they've got three, they got a stable of running backs and it looks like it's going to be an RBBC, which is every fantasy footballer's nightmare, right? Yep. Uh, but two of the three of them currently are out. You know, yeah. it's, uh, you know, Jackson's so got the leg injury. And of course, we got the 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 arm injury and so forth. So it's, Zach you know, Moss, they're, yeah. they're in the market. They're going to need somebody. And I, I almost wonder if Kareem Hunt's going to end up being a Colt before. Well, Hunt visited them earlier. Remember? Um, like he visited the Saints one day and there was all this support about, oh, he's going to, he's going to, he's this close to signing with the Saints. And supposedly the Colts called him and said, oh, we got something better for you. Come visit us. He did walked away found, found the, the offers wanting so very odd to see that uh that he's still out there but you know he's out there you know lenny's out there we'll see what happens but uh that that, that those are kind of two interesting plays uh before we move on to some of the uh your, your top ranks i've uh, got to share a quick note with uh, one of our sponsors uh our friends at Fantrax have uh, a good deal for your commissioner services for you fantasy football players out there is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues Bonus scoring, custom schedules, or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service? Not a problem. Fantrax can easily import 
any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there's anything lacking in your current Fantasy League manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league, plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right, tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. I'm here with Eric Lee and Gary Kurtzman from Fantasy Football Consultants. Uh, you can check out their YouTube channel. Uh, they have some TikToks going out there as well, so they're branching out into social media a little bit more now. So make sure to search for that, Fantasy Football Consultants. Uh, guys, let's talk tiers here. Uh, concept of tiers is important for a lot of people. Not everybody likes it. Some people just like a straight list. Tell, tell me why you like to have kind of break down the positions into tiers. Uh, sure. You know, the big reason why I want to break positions into tiers is because there's more than one position you're drafting for. So you got to draft a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers. Oftentimes it's a flex, you know, et cetera, tight end. So it's easy if you're just drafting one position, you go down your list, you pick the top guy, et cetera. But how do you know whether I want to draft the top quarterbacks available on my list, the top running back and the top wide receivers? That's where tiers come in. So ideally, ideally in a situation you would draft in the you know in the middle of the draft the the end of the draft uh, you would draft somebody at the bottom of a remaining tier because what's the definition of a tier the definition of a tier is there is a noticeable drop off right. between this guy and the next guy so you always want to make sure you get somebody you know within the tier you don't necessarily want to lead the train the train on the tier because everybody within the same tier is at least marginally equal um, but if I got it just as a situation real briefly, if I know that uh, I can draft either a running back or a wide receiver based on where we are on the draft, how it's fallen to me and what I need on my team. And I noticed that the wide receiver tier is basically clear. I got three or four guys left in the tier, but I got one running back left in the top tier. Well, then I'm obviously going running back. That's the kind of value the tiers can provide. Now, I, I noticed this year we have a pronounced set of tiers for quarterback. Uh, there's a big three, Mahomes, Allen, uh, and of course, uh, Hertz, uh, not in your order may vary as far as that goes, uh, next year, Jackson, Burrow, Fields, Herbert Lawrence. I mean, that's pretty much everybody has those guys. Sometimes someone takes Lawrence out of that one group or fields out of that one group. But for the most part, I've seen that that's, that's pretty good, uh, consensus among those. My question to you guys is how, how often are you drafting in those first or second tiers? Because, in the past, waiting on quarterbacks was such a fruitful strategy, but last year you got punished if you didn't get one of the top quarterbacks. Yeah, so um, I, my suggestion, I've always been someone that has been more apt to want to wait on a quarterback. I love that, uh, that first tier, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't want to pick them in the first two rounds. Um, right. And that usually means that I'm, I'm missing out on on that that first tier. It's usually that second tier because um, after you get to that second tier, it isn't like uh, the Deshaun Watsons, the Tua's cannot get to that level of, of the second tier. It's just that their floor is so low that you're you're running a big risk. So I usually have found in my drafting that I'm trying to end up targeting someone in that second tier. Yeah, for me, I probably handle it a little differently. The way, the, the, But that makes total sense. It's more of a preference kind of thing. Uh, for me, it's this. I take a look at what's the difference in expected fantasy points between me drafting somebody in the first tier, and if you want somebody in the first tier, you're generally picking in the first couple of rounds. Uh, so well, at least, uh, you know, let's say end of the first round to top of the third round. Right. Right, is where you're going to find Hurts, Allen, and Mahomes going to go. So what's the difference between picking somebody then to picking somebody much later? I mean, if you want to get somebody at the end of the second tier, you can do it in the sixth round, right? Maybe top of the seventh. So the question is, how many points are you giving up between the Hurts, Allen, and Mahomes or the guys in the second tier versus who was available at running back, right, at the end of the second round versus who's going to be available at running back, say, in the sixth round? And almost every year, what ends up happening, almost inevitably, is you're giving up more points waiting on the running back than you are on the quarterback. Same thing for wide receiver, by the way. 
So yep. for me, I almost always wait on quarterback. It's just a matter of the difference in expected points. Last year, by the way, I did that and uh, I got hammered for it. Yeah, right? me too. I'm a card-carrying member of the Wait on the Quarterbacks year, Club. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's funny. Maybe I just got lucky because I, yeah, you got I, I, you know, I got Geno. Huh. We played in a two-quarterback uh, league, and I still waited, and I got Geno Smith and Justin Fields. So I mean, I kind of lucked out uh, on 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 those guys. Let's talk Fields specifically here because I think he he's a lightning rod guy in the fantasy football community. A lot of people are like, "Hey, ride or die with him." I'm all over him. Other people are like he still can't throw. You know, there, there there's a there's a debate on that there. Uh, so where do you stand on Fields this year? Let's start with Eric. So here's here's the deal, Jeff. We had this argument because it was the argument between the two Justins. He okay. likes Herbert, and I like uh, Fields. I, I, we both think that they're they're close. Um, the reason why I like Fields is obviously his rushing floor. Now, mm-hmm. 73 rushing yards a game. I had him on my team, and that was buoyed by some ridiculously exciting long touchdown yes. runs that really, you know, was amazing. To, that that really helped me win that particular week. I don't think that you can count on him getting 73 rushing yards average. I just don't think you can count on that. So, which to maintain a QB six was which he was last year you're going to need to see him improve in the passing game. And one of the reasons that Justin Fields struggled so much last year is he didn't have time to throw. And he was sacked like 15% of the time every time he dropped back to pass. So um, they improved their offensive line, and they improved uh, in getting what I think is a quality number one wide receiver in DJ Moore. So for those reasons, you know, I like him at the QB6. Now you're gonna rip them, so go ahead. Hey, I mean, what's uh, what's fantasy football without a little conflict, right? So for me, it all comes down to this. You know, running quarterbacks have a history of getting injured, and I'm t- I'm I'm typically kind of wary. You mentioned the thing, Chicken Little, right? Well, I I'm not gonna have Fields on my team because I'm always wary of taking running backs, uh, and this applies to Lamar Jackson too, quite frankly, who's an all right. world, world talent, right? Uh, that I don't want to have to go, you know, three or four weeks and having to fill a hole. And I think it's reasonably like at some point when they got 325 pound, incredibly nimble guys wanting to punish them, that they're going to get hurt as soon as they get out of the pocket. Now, for me, I can be talked in to Lamar a lot more easily than I can be talked into fields because Lamar Jackson's got better weapons to throw to. Um, he, he reads defenses a lot better. You know, one of the things that I do when I look at fields play is I, I just try and get a feel for the processing time and I try and get a feel for the time of delivery, getting the ball out. And right. he is slow. He is just slow. It's that simple. And so it's going to take him. And that's one of the reasons why he got sacked, you know, 15% of the time, the offensive line's part of it. But part of it is him and his, his mental skill set and going through the reps and recognizing defenses and getting the ball out quickly. It's just not something that I trust with fields. Not only that, but the dude's got accuracy issues. Right. Yeah, we He's, saw that in the preseason some. Uh, and I love sure. Fields, but because because of that running ability, and especially if you have distance scoring on those said runs as a bonus, I mean, that's huge. But I, I acknowledge the criticisms, too. Um, Uncle Ted in the comments brings up a point I think is pretty good. If you take a volatile player, whether it's Jackson or Fields, uh, or, or, you know, or, you know, you need to find someone to back them up with. Someone that's your, your safe guy to kind of pivot to in case of that. I feel like, say if you, you draft, uh, if you draft Herbert, well, Herbert got hurt last year too. So, I mean, that's not even fair. Uh, but, you know, there are some more stable quarterbacks. You, you're not going to, if you draft one of the elite quarterbacks, you draft Mahomes, you're not drafting a second quarterback in a one QB environment. You're going to save that roster spot for an, uh, a lottery ticket running back or a lottery ticket wide receiver. Whereas I feel, feel like if you take fields, you got to have, probably a pivot there just in case things go sideways yeah no question about it and then you got to live with it right because your pivot is going to be somebody who's basically a flyer Mm -hmm. because he's a backup quarterback so he's certainly not going to be one of the top 12 if you're in a 12 team league for instance right uh so you know you're you're doing it because you want to increase volatility in your team you're going for the high ceiling instead of the high floor that's you can easily talk yourself into fields if that's the way the draft falls to you, and that's the way you want to craft your team. All right, I can see this is two against one, so I'm okay with that. No, I like fields. So, don't, give, so, don't get me wrong. So, I, uh, I roster fields I, I, in some yeah, places. So I hear what you guys say about the injury risk, and I think that's genuine. But leaving the injury risk aside, I actually think fields, because of his rushing in fantasy now, he has a very good floor. 
Um, because mm-hmm. it's very hard to imagine a scenario where I, I said he's not going to reach 73 rushing yards, but it's hard to imagine a scenario where he doesn't give you a doesn't finish among the top two or three mm-hmm. yeah. rushing uh quarterbacks. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I, I will roster fields, have rostered fields. I like to get one of the top eight. I do, you know, whether it's Lawrence or, or Herbert or Fields, I'm, I'm perfectly content with that. So every once in a while, Joe Burrow falls to the fifth round, and I'm very happy about that, especially as one of the seven Bengals fans on the West Coast. We're up from three. Uh, we, we're up to seven now, so I've got we got that going for us. But, uh, but yeah, and especially if I get to pair him up with Chase uh, earlier in the draft, that, that's a, or, or Higgins for that matter. That's always fun too. Uh, but yeah, I, I will go that route. But We've seen with Burrow. He's not immune to health health concerns either. You know, he's dealing with the calf strain right now. He hasn't practiced in like 30 days. Not a full practice. At least he's done some workouts on the side. Now there's some talk about maybe the contract issues being part of that too. But, you know, the coach, Zach Taylor, just vehemently denied that yesterday. So we'll see. But it's still, it, it's hovering out there as a, as a concern too. So anyhow, a uh, long-winded way of saying that uh, I acknowledge there's other risks there as well. Uh, we'll talk some running backs here in a second. But another quick uh, commercial note from one of our sponsors, uh, Rival Fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournaments, salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges, where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. I'm here with Eric Lee and Gary Kurtzman. Uh, They are with Fantasy Football Consultants. Uh, You can check out their YouTube channel. Uh, A lot of good stuff there. Gary, I'll start with you on running backs here. Uh, What's your preferred running back strategy? Do you like to get a couple early? Do you go one running back? Do you go zero running back ever with your draft strategy? What's your preferred approach? You know what he's talking, my preferred approach and preferred approaches change. They're all across the board in the fantasy landscape. But for me, um, there's more scarcity in running back than there is in any other position. So that means that I'm getting a running back in the first two rounds. Now, it doesn't okay. mean I'm getting two. It depends on how the draft falls to me, right? If I can get the first uh, you know, two picks, then I'm going to end up with McCaffrey, right? I'm happy if I come out of the first round, frankly, with Eckler. I'm happy if I come out with Chubb. Uh, yep. it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, uh, how long Bijan Robinson's available, but he's awfully intriguing. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy if I come out with a running back in round one, I'm almost certainly going to, uh, going to draft a running back in round two, because I've seen what happens in drafts where you don't draft a running back in the first couple rounds. And then it almost becomes harder for me to talk myself into drafting a running back in the third round, in the fourth round, simply because of what's available. There's so many more good wide receivers out there that if I get to the third round, I look at the receivers available versus who's already been picked over on running backs. And I say, you know, why would I draft, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker, a good running back when, you know, there's – you know, oh, let's say uh, uh, Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle out there, somebody with a higher upside who's mm-hmm. typically available in the top, you know, top of the round three. So I, I find myself, if I don't get a running back in the first two rounds, it just gets later and later. They get picked over and picked over. And pretty soon the hole's too big to fill on my team. Well, one thing I think that's so important, if you are entering your draft, is to make sure you understand the, the rules and you understand yep. the roster size. Absolutely. So, I think it's different than if your league has two wide receivers versus you, you must start three wide receivers uh, because a lot of leagues with three wide receivers, personally, again, this is where we may disagree. I am okay if, you know, I won't force myself to pick a running back in the first two because for the first time, guys, in a long time, I'm not super excited about any of these running backs. I almost every year, last year was Jonathan Taylor, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to pick in the first one or two picks because I got to have this particular running back. We'll talk about wide receivers later, but I don't want to go early in the first round of uh, my NFL draft. If I got to be able to, to pick, usually I'm always hoping to get that first overall pick. I'd rather pick late in the, the first round. And if the way it works out is I can get two top flight wide receivers uh, late in the first round and early in the second round, I personally will do it. 
Yeah, I, I hear you on that. And I, my preferred spot is like 10 or 11. And I play a lot of NFFC leagues and they have a concept called third round reversal. So I expect it's especially valuable there. And again, know your league settings, like Eric said. You know, I think that's important. And third round reversal means, you know, you go snake draft for one through 12, 12 yeah. through one. And then in the third round, 12 picks first again. Because, you know, there have been years, you know, like Ladanian Tomlinson's peak year, Gurley's peak year, where it's such a prohibited advantage to have one of the first couple of picks that, it, you know, you had to kind of meet out some of the luck of drawing a late pick. So that's one thing the NFFC did. I, in my home league, the league that started Rotowire, it's called Amiki. We do third round reversal. It's a 14 teamer and all that one there. Um, so I like being towards the back in that because I, I like it. I think the the value of those my first two picks is going to be better than one plus 24 or one plus 28 in this particular case. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, Eric, is there a running back that you're finding that you're rostering more than anyone else? Oh, wow. So I'm going to go with someone that, again, you get to hear the different opinions that Gary's not too I- excited about. But okay. this is more of like a, a sleeper uh, for me personally is I am big on David Montgomery, who isn't going, whose ADP is really low. What is his ADP? We had uh, 76. Um, yep. And, you know, he inherits the Jamal Williams spot. I know it is way simplistic to say that Jamar Gibbs is replacing Swift and David Montgomery is replacing Jamal Williams. But I personally believe that David Montgomery is going to get the goal line carries on this Detroit offense, which is going to put up points. They put up big points last year. They will do it again. Uh, I don't know if I have it off the top of my head, but they gave him a good uh, amount of uh, money. I want to say like 18 million over three, three years to, to, to come in. So he, I think it's going to be shared carries. Gibbs will do far more in the passing game, but unlike Jamal Williams, uh, Montgomery can catch some passes on first, first down, second down. So he's always someone who I'm seeing that goes much later than expected. And, and I'm usually able to, to, to snap him up. Yeah. I mean, Jamal Williams is a top 20 fantasy running back last year. And this guy's basically going to be Jamal Williams 2.0. It doesn't mean he's better than Jamal Williams. Actually, you know, in some sense for a goal line back, he's probably a little bit less equipped, but he's going to get the same opportunities. Well, so you're right. That's a, that's actually a great value. And I love that answer too, because it's not dependent on where you are in the draft order. You can get Montgomery virtually in every draft, right? Right. You know, especially with an ADP in the sixties or seventies, Okay, well, I'll go a little ahead of that there. Even, you know, no matter what end of the draft run, you can afford him there. Whereas, like, you know, first couple of rounds, you know, you take a, you mentioned a player in the first two or three rounds. Well, it's all dependent on draft position. So I love that answer. How about you, Gary? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of of the same ilk in the sense that I, I, the guy I'm drafting and I literally every team I've drafted so far um, is J.K. Dobbins. And, you know, his ADP is 53. I tend to get him at the end of the fourth round and he's almost always available. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it baffles me. I, frankly, his ADP baffles me, and uh, I'll tell you why. You know, two years ago, he was clearly the starting running back on a, on a pretty good Baltimore offense. Then he had the knee injury, tore up his ACL. Um, I, I think what people forgot is that most human beings take more than a year to recover from an ACL injury right. to get to NFL potential because we've been spoiled. These are some of the best athletes in the world, and we've seen examples of how people nine, ten months later, they're back on the football field. and you almost get lulled into a sense of security that, hey, maybe that's normal. And the fact of the matter is J.K. Dobbins came back last year and he had a, a fairly predictably slow start. In fact, he had to take a month off in the middle of the season because they, they that's right. essentially rushed him back too early, right? Last month of the season, J.K. Dobbins was a top 10 fantasy uh, running back in the NFL. He got back to form. He, is, he has a great skill set. He's a three-down back. He can take your goal line carries. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He can handle the workload. He's on a Baltimore offense that may very well be a top five offense in the NFL, especially this year with the addition of Jay Flowers and uh, Zay Flowers and so forth. So, uh, and Odo Beckham yeah, Jr. for Beckham that matter too. Like the, uh, I'm sure he would. Like I <laughs> mentioned there, the uh, and and uh, and he should be completely recovered as he was at the end of last season. So, guys like that, my opinion shouldn't be going in the beginning of the fifth round, which is where he's going. So I, I've got him rostered basically everywhere. 
Yeah, I, I like Dobbins too. I worry a little bit about his holding, you know, uh, where he took a long time to start yeah. practicing in training camp because he's another running back that's unhappy with how running backs are getting treated. I mean, and it's, let's face it, it's unfair to running backs. I get their argument. They just have no leverage and it's not going to go away. I mean, the way the collective bargaining agreement is going to last seven more years. So you're going to see this every year, unfortunately. Well, and every year you're going to see guy, and I'm not picking on this guy, but you're going to see guys like Tyler Algier. Yeah. Fifth round draft pick comes in thousand yard rusher. You know, you got to ask yourself a question. If I can get a thousand yard rusher in the fifth round of the draft, why am I paying some guy $12 million yeah. right, to be a, to be a, a, you know, an incremental improvement over that? It probably doesn't make a whole lot of financial sense. Like you said, running backs are in a bad spot. They just don't have a lot of leverage. Exactly. So, and the other thing too, is uh, two things, two other things. One, Adrian Peterson ruined ACLs for us there. Cause you know, he, came, <laughs> he was a super healer and came back like in yeah. eight months or nine months or whatever. And was that peak form right away? Like, come on now you're making us all look stupid here by saying, you know, oh, ACL, we could wait a year. Right. No, he, he changed the matrix for us. And then I think Todd Gurley ruined con running back contracts for us, unfortunately. And yeah, no, he, he was out of the league two years after his big contract where he was the 1.1 for us, you know, maybe three years he was out of the league, but still it, it was, it was remarkable how fast that turned. And that was like the last row. I know Lev Bell is another data point in favor against that there. You just don't see these contracts anymore. Yeah. And, and you know what, it, it, it really is a shame, right? Yeah. Because you don't see this in any other position in the NFL, right. in any other position in the NFL, you're one of the top guys you're going to get paid. You're not going to hit free agency. The guy's going to, if they have any sort of cap room at all. Right. Exactly. And in running backs, it is a complete 180. I feel for these guys. I do. I feel for these guys. We're going to talk wide receivers here in a second, but uh, one more promotional note here first uh, from our friends at Fancy Sports Knockout. Think you've got fancy football figured out? Think again. Introducing Fancy Sports Knockout, a new survivor league that's worth the challenge. A season-long tournament where every week matters. Strategize, draft, survive. High effort with even higher stakes. Because who likes losing? Draft your lineup, use any players you want, but be careful. You can only use each player once. The lowest scoring entry is eliminated each week. The concept is simple. Survival is not. Stop losing. Start surviving in the only league where skills are tested and strategy pays off. Learn more at survive.fancysportsknockout.com slash rotowire. Fancy Sports Knockout is available for real money in certain states, but anyone can play in a user-created league. So if you think you know fantasy, prove it. Visit survive.fancysportsknockout.com slash rotowire today. Also, our uh, podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. We always play their ads. Here they are. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Thank you for your indulgence on the Blue Wire ads. And for, thank you to all of our sponsors for making sure that we stay on the air. Uh, I am here with the fancy football consultants, Eric Lee, Gary Kurtzman. We just talked running backs. We're going to talk wide receivers now. Uh, and generally, I mean, it, like you said before, it's a, there's a lot of receivers we like at various stages in the draft. Uh, I like wide receiver draft strategies myself. Eric, uh, what's your favorite approach on uh, attacking wide receivers? So as I mentioned, I, I love the, the, our first tier, which is uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill. I do not have a problem having any of those guys as my first round uh, right, right. pick to head uh, my team. Um, but I am always looking. So I, I'm looking for guys that are on a good offense who is going to, to see targets. Uh, so 
if I were to take a guy who I think I'm winding up with more than than uh, more than not is a guy who describes that. I'm going to give you a little. I'm going to give you guys a suspense who I'm talking about. But what if I told you that this guy is on one of the best offenses in football, and he is the number one wide receiver, but he's going at an ADP in the mid 40s. Um, and the guy that I am talking about is because because of it coming off injuries is Keenan Allen. He has mm-hmm. been that way. Uh, and by the way, he he benefits. I think from a new offensive coordinator uh, that's going to come in and even throw the ball uh, down the, down the field uh, more. So uh, I really like Keenan Allen here for where he's going in the draft. At You know, it's funny because he wasn't, he was going earlier in the third round at one point in time. Um, And I've noticed that his price has dropped Uh, and I'm not quite sure. I, 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 well, I know I am it's age and injury. I mean, I think that's why, but at first, I thought I was out on him because of the injuries, because of the age profile. But then, as you said, he's dropping. He's dropping to like pick fifty in many cases now. Uh, and in one league, I had Herbert. I, I paired Herbert with Allen, which is always fun to kind of have the mini stack. Um, yeah, and, and Kellen Moore is the new offensive coordinator. He could really unlock a lot of things for him too. They spent a tra- that that first round pick on Quentin Johnston. Uh, that that kind of gives them a deep threat that might actually help Allen a little bit, although it hurts the number of targets. But he's he's an interesting nut to crack for sure. Gary, what say you on him? Well, um, what say me on on Keenan Allen? I for all the reasons you mentioned, I like Keenan Allen a lot. The uh, but uh, for me, overall strategy to to answer your first question, sure. Um, think about later on. So let's go to the fourth round of the draft. Okay. Who's going to be available? Well, like we said, Keenan Allen is going to be available in the fourth round. Guys like Calvin Ridley, who, you know, everybody forgets, was actually two years ago a top 10 receiver before he bet on football, which is a big no-no, right? Yeah. And now he's with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. I love that guy a lot, especially at his ADP, for crying out loud. But, you know, now think about who's available in running back. Well, at running back at the end of the fourth round, you're talking guys like, oh, I don't know, James Conner. You're talking about guys like uh, Cam Akers. Right. Mm-hmm. Running backs who are RB1s, but they're on RB1s on offenses that are probably going to be terrible this year. So I I am waiting on wide receivers a bit because I feel like there's so much more value in, say, rounds three or four for wide receivers than there are for running backs. Um, guys that I like, uh, if I get a running back in round one, I'm actually probably dipping my toe in wide receiver in round two. I did talk about Calvin Ridley. Fourth round would be great. But for me, I'm either, if I'm in the top of the second round, I'm reaching for Amon Ross St. Brown because I absolutely love this guy. And it wouldn't shock me if this guy ended up being, say, wide receiver three by the end of the year with only Mm -hmm. Jefferson and Chase ahead of him. Um, If I'm at the end of the second round, I'm reaching Chris Olave for basically the same reason, because I think he was a phenomenal talent last year. He's clearly, he's got an incredible market share above 25% of the targets. Gets an upgrade with Derek Carr, quarterback for crying out loud, in a good offensive situation. Barely any competition. Even if Michael Thomas does come back, Michael Thomas, uh, if anything, would probably help somebody because if if he ends up right. being any good at all, and there's absolutely no guarantee of that whatsoever, uh, then he would draw in a safety to help with the the slot routes that he runs. So that would make it easier for a lobby to go over the top. It's just there's a lot of good things you can say about these guys. Right. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of steam on Lave and Ridley both, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. My bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Gary's uh, always been a doubting Thomas. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, for the last three years, he's right. You know, um, yeah. it, it, if you if you dodge those particular bullets, I mean, you're feeling pretty good about it there. Uh, you know, you know, injury optimism is something that's usually a losing strategy. So I, I get it. And, you know, especially when Thomas came back to practice this year with the Saints, they were saying, well, he's going to need some time. And it's like, well, okay, he's had three years. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, let's go. Uh, but I, I'm seeing a lot of Olave in the second round now. I'm seeing Ridley at the end of the second, early third. You know, this is the reason why Allen is dropping a little bit is because there's other guys, you know, it's zero sum. Some If those guys are going up, yeah. someone else is going down. So, yeah, I, I love both of those players, though. Yeah, and I just think, you know, when you get to that, when they're available, and, you know, right now, at least, you know, Calvin Ridley's ADP is uh, – you know, very end of the third round as it stands, uh, you know, checking it this morning. So, you know, and that's obviously an average. Some drafts, like you said, is going the second round. But, you know, I love the high value guys. I love the high ceiling guys. First two rounds of a draft, I'm drafting high floor. 
right? Okay. I just don't want to screw it up. I think you can screw up a draft by trying to get the high volatile, high ceiling guys in the first couple of rounds. After that, you'd screw up a draft by not throwing the darts at the dartboard, not going after the high ceiling guys. And Calvin Ridley, Chris Olave, uh, you know, those are about as high ceiling, I think, as uh, wide receivers that they come outside of Jefferson and Chase. Jeff, I want to turn the tables on if you're okay. And I want to bring up a point that I think every fantasy football player has got to figure out. It covers a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver. And that is Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, and Deshaun Watson. All depends on which Deshaun Watson we expect to have. Is it going to be the Deshaun Watson of last year or Deshaun Watson of the Houston years? Or where what is you what are your what's your take on how good do you think Deshaun Watson's going to be? So I'm bullish on Nick Chubb and I'm scared to death of Deshaun Watson right now. I mean, the fact that we've seen reports out of like the athletic had a report talking about how the downfield passing game wasn't looking good in practice. I, I, I want to be a little patient with that. I want to kind of, uh, I, I don't want to overreact to training camp reports because I think that can be dangerous. Uh, I, lo- I, I love the skills of Chubb and Cooper. Uh, and you know, Watson obviously is a big thing too. Here's the thing. I don't think you're going to get full Watson on the Texans at his peak of his powers. Cause a, the layoff B he's just older, uh, and C the weather. I think the weather is the underrated factor in Cleveland. We saw so many high wind games there the last two years, even when Watson was like crushing with the Texans, they had a game in Cleveland. I think it was a November game, maybe even October where the weather just shut down the entire game. Um, and it was one of those games where, oh, this is going to be a ticket to the carnival. It's it, two bad defenses. Watson's just on fire right now. No, it was like 13 to 10 or something like that. It was, it was painful. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm very wary. And the thing, I think it's okay to say we don't know. Right. I, I think we, there's some situations where I don't know what's going to happen for sure. Uh, and I'm not going to bet my whole fantasy team's relevance on it i think chubb is pretty safe because i think the volume will be there i think early in the season especially no kareem hunt to steal away goal line carries from him anymore his backup jerome ford is hurt they had to go trade for pierre strong who's not going to be a goal line threat at all uh so i i'm not going to draft watson much in fact i have zero shares of him so far i might have a little cooper i will have plenty of nick chubb yeah. yeah, I mean, Nick Schaub is a 1,500-yard runner with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback, right? Yeah. So as long as Deshaun Watson can get to that level. Which he didn't. He didn't yeah. last year. He did a lot worse. I, I know he, he did. did a lot worse with, yeah. with Watson. So, yeah. Um, okay. Give me a later round wide receiver that you're getting, not someone in the fir- first like top three, four rounds. Is there someone else that you're getting? Because we all have to start three receivers in a flex more often than not. Uh, who, who's someone you're getting later? Um, so far I have three shares and counting of Rashad Bateman. Okay. And I, you know, why is he late rounds? Well, uh, because they just drafted Zay Flowers in the first round and he's an exciting dynamic receiver. And, oh, by the way, that guy you mentioned earlier, OBJ's out there on the, uh, out there on the field now for the Ravens. So I, I get why Bateman is falling, but you know, I, I, I just kind of think people forget a little bit, right? Because, you know, yeah. Bateman's got first round pedigree too. Uh, Bateman last played you know, I want to say meaningful snaps for a longer stretch of time. Two years ago, he's really gotten the injury bug the past couple of years. And so it's almost like a recency bias. What have you done for me lately? Um, but, you know, he had a four or five game stretch, I think, last year where he had close to a 25 percent target share and was extraordinarily fantasy relevant and showed us why the Ravens drafted him so early a few years ago. Um, and, you know, it's exactly the same kind of thing that he did when he was first on the Ravens. He's uh, he's incredibly dynamic. He's quick. He's speedy. Um, he, he has continued the trust with Lamar Jackson. It's the same quarterback. We saw him when he played four or five games last season, pre-injury where he was getting that 25% market share. You know, he's, it, it's going to be into with the new receivers, with the OBJ and with the Zay flowers. And you never know how that's going to go. But to me, for a flyer, for a guy who's that good, who's got that much of a trust in his quarterback, hell, why not? I like that answer a lot. Go ahead, yeah. Eric. And, and Jeff, I know you talked asked about wide receivers, but I wanted to talk about it in the context of running back and this issue of trying to find someone later in the draft with a big upside. And I think people should always be thinking about a couple of key guys who are backups or not the lead back, who are one injury or suspension away from being the guy, not just part of a committee. And those are people like Elijah Mitchell on San Francisco, Zach Charbonnet on uh, Seattle, Zamir 
White on uh, La Las Vegas, Jalen Ward, Warren on uh, Pittsburgh. I think a lot of these guys are going to be available late, late in your draft. And rather than doing, a, like you said, Jeff, a backup quarterback when you already have a, a, a strong, solid starting quarterback. Right. Or a backup tight end, uh, which on the waiver wire, you can get someone just as good. Um, swing for the fences. There's a good chance that you'll end up dropping them in three or four weeks. But there's a chance that uh, they'll become a starter for you. Right. And that, that's a huge score when you get one of those. Now, do you like to go and get your own running backs back up or do you like to steal other people's running backs back? Like now Jalen Warren, is he a priority more for you if you already have Najee Harris or do you, or do you just try to find skills at the late? So I, I, I like that. Gary and I discussed this. I bump just a little bit if I have the guy to protect mine, but absolutely. I am not above <laughs> picking up Jalen Warren, even if I don't have. Oh, for Najee sure. Take Harris. everybody else's handcuffs too. Yeah. How about you, Gary? And then, right. and then I'll call him for a trade as soon as yeah, there you go. go. There you go. I, 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 you know, I don't worry so much about the backups for my running backs. I go and poke the backups for the other guys. And I'll tell you yeah. why, because it takes luck to win fantasy leagues. We all like to think that we win because we got the most skill. We got the most insight. And basically we all know that that's BS, right? The fact of the matter is prep matters. Knowledge matters. Luck matters too. Right. Of course. And that's where the backup running back comes in. You never know who's going to get injured. I want to swing for the fences. When I, if I'm in the 12th, 13th round of the draft, I'm, I'm swinging for the fences. I, to me, it's more of an insurance policy, less about swinging for the fences if I get the backup for my own guy. So I want Elijah Mitchell if I don't have Christian McCaffrey, right? If I don't have Najee Harris, I want Jalen Warren because, hey, that's the high upside call option, right? Where it's like, you know, I'm in a great position to uh, contend for the Super Bowl if Najee Harris goes down and all of a sudden I get his replacement and I can pair him with Christian McCaffrey, who I got. Right. right. So that, to me, that's swinging for the fences. Yeah. And I, I think that that's always the debate. I, I I tend to go that route more over time. I think the deeper the league, like I play in a 16 team league, I play in a 14 team league and those I will get my own backups a little bit more frequently because the waiver wire is just so barren. Um, I, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative, but I think in a 10 or a 12 team approach, I'm going to take your approach, Gary. Uh, yeah. I think that, that, that it just kind of depends again, your league, your league specifics matter. I think that's always a big lesson to come back to every time we're think, devising draft strategy, pickups, you name it. Context matters. Uh, let's finish off with this. I know you guys do a survivor contest. I love survivor. Um, I think it's a fun game. I think it's one of those, uh, concepts that is really exploding over the last five years. Uh, Let's talk survivor tips. How do we do well in our survivor leagues? Uh, we'll start, I and mean, we can talk about the context of your contest. Yeah, well, let's start, make sure everybody is clear what we're talking about. Uh, NFL survivor, the rules are simple. You pick one NFL team, usually to win outright right. for that particular week. Uh, they do, great. You move on to the next week. You don't, you're out. However, you the can only thing, use them once, right? Exactly. The big thing is that you can only use that, uh, that team once. So there's a lot of little home leagues. We on our channel run a free entry uh, survivor contest. Um, and uh, I think the prize pool this year is $300. And we're not a huge channel. So unlike CBS, are uh, these big things, we don't have thousands of thousands of people participating. And it's very easy. All you have to do is go to our, uh, our YouTube channel and subscribe because we do it for our subscribers. And send us an email at fantasyconsultantsinfo, I-N-F-O, at gmail.com. And we'll get you in the contest. Um, so, Gary, I'll get you uh, involved. What's uh, what? What's you? What do you think the secret to success for? Well, you know, I can tell you what a lot of people do, and then I can tell you what the truly successful people do. So, what a lot of people do is they look online and they say, "Hey, what are the Vegas odds?" Because mm -hmm. nobody knows better about who's going to win than the folks that get paid to do it uh, in Las Vegas. And that's a good start. You have to do that, right? It, Survivor is not a game where you take chances. Survivor is not a game where you typically say, you know, I just have a feeling. I got a gut feeling or I'm a I'm a Bengal fan. I don't care if they're, you know, away in Baltimore. You know, I'm, I'm taking my team. It's it's not Jeff's a Bengals fan. You know, had to, you had to... <laughs> it's all good. You know, it's, uh, 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 they probably beat Baltimore anyway. So now we just lost our Baltimore viewers anyway. So, you know, you, you look at the Vegas odds. Right. But here's the things that truly successful people do. The truly successful people do look at the Vegas odds for not just this week, but in future weeks. So it's called future value. And what I try and do at the very beginning of the season is have a roadmap. 
of all the future value of all teams. So what's future value? Future value is how likely are you going to win your game in any future week? Because what you'll find when you, and there are lots of websites where you can look at that information. And what you'll find is there are going to be some weeks that are going to be tougher than others. There are going to be some weeks where it's like, holy crap, I got a bunch of games with spreads of three or four being, you know, one of the top spreads and everybody's kind of in the middle and there are a huge amount of toss up games. And that's what I want to avoid. So if you can find a team in a tough week like that, where there's one team that has a maybe a spread of seven or eight while everybody else is close, you got to save that team for that week, regardless of how much the how good the odds are this week. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because you want the roadmap into the future. Yeah. The only problem with the roadmap is sometimes the roadmap changes. Uh, look at the Rams yeah. last year, for instance. Oh, yeah, I'm going to definitely I'm going to use the Rams in week six. Oh, maybe I'm not going to use them after <laughs> all there. Denver Broncos, yeah. they're a good team. They got Russell Wilson. Oh, ooh, no. <laughs> um, that, that's honestly why I think week one is the hardest week. And I'm usually a little bit more conservative in the first couple of weeks because yeah. we think we know what we don't know. We know a lot more after the first uh, two or three weeks. But to your point, Jeff, it is so important to understand, I call it the present value or future value. Because if you're talking about, you know, you're standing in week four, they're going to they're gonna play next week in week five. Fine. Uh, that's not that's knowable. But week 14, you don't know about injuries. You don't know about trades. There's right, a right, whole of bunch of host of uh, different things. So real quick, I'm going to and I'm going to use week one as a good example for our survivor people who are thinking about it. It's the thing that Jeff and I were talking about in relation to fantasy football. You need to know your rules of your NFL sur survivor. Yes. For example, um, we on our pool. You just pick one team for the rest of the season. Uh, some pools toward the end of the year, they double up. Right. Yes. So you need to know how many players you're picking. So. In ours, you're only picking 18 teams. So in the first week, guess what? We've got the two biggest favorites are Baltimore, who is hosting Houston, and the Washington Commanders, who are hosting the Arizona Cardinals, a team that we have bashed throughout the preseason as we think is the, the worst team. But Washington is not, in my opinion, is, is a bottom half team. So the question is, a lot of people will say, well, we've got to pick Washington because I won't pick them for the rest of the year. This is by far their best game that they have. But guess what? Do you Are you okay with never picking Washington? And if I am only picking 18 teams, I actually am okay with never picking Washington because I don't think they're anywhere close to the top 18 teams. However, if I was in a league where, because we're doubling up, that I'm picking 26 teams when it's over, Right. Now I'm more apt to wind up to, to pick that Washington game. Yeah, there's a website called The Season, S-Z-N, uh, theseason.com, and they have a mu multiple survivor contests, but their main one, they do start doubling up, I think, in week five or six. So, yeah, it, it, it gets painful really quick uh, as far as that goes. Uh, I'm in another survivor contest, Circa, the sportsbook in Vegas. We were just there last weekend, and their contest, Thanksgiving and Black Friday, there's four games. That is a separate week for them. So you have to go, you have to say, okay, I have eight teams to choose from that week. Who I want to pick then, make sure I don't use them. Um, so to your point, know your contest. Super important to know that. So all that. Uh, division, are you willing to do a, a divisional matchup in Survivor? Some people, that's like a hard, fast rule. Never a division, never a rematch. What, what say you? Well, I think we're both against hard, fast rules. Yes, <laughs> right off the yeah. right off the bat, because there's so many different factors yes. that just to limit yourself from. Uh, I'm not picking road teams, which is ridiculous, and I, I'm not picking division games. So I will pick a division game. Um, you know, I, I, if, if need be. Um, it doesn't bother me. You know, I get it though. I get it. Yeah. I get the argument, right? It's mm -hmm. it's the same thing if you're betting if you're betting college football, uh, you know, don't bet the rivalry games. Why? Right. Because you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen because the emotions, which matter in football a lot, the emotions are higher than they're ever going to be any other game. Well, in the pros, I guess that would translate to division games, right? Where you just everybody wants to win every week, but you know the team that much better and you want to win that much more if they're in your own division. And like I said, you know. Hey, emotion matters in football. So that's the unquantifiable. That's the unknown that no odds maker in Vegas is ever going to be able to handle. 
right? So I, I get the argument that, you know, shy away from divisional matchups. Me, do I do that? Probably not. You know, to be honest with you, if, I, if I'm feeling pretty good that the Niners are going to beat the Rams, now I just gave away who my team is. Uh, then I'll go ahead and do it, even though it's in the same division, right? Sure. But uh, but well, yeah, in general, I certainly get the argument. Well, I already am going to a game here in San Francisco. San Francisco is hosting Arizona. They will be my survivor pick. So <laughs> it's okay that they're in the division. That's what I'm going to yeah, do. There you go. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Well, Arizona is a special bird too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. No pun, no pun intended, or perhaps yeah. pun intended. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think you might be their quarterback in week seven. So uh, we'll see uh, as far as that goes. All right, guys, this has been a blast. I can't believe an hour just flew by like this. Uh, thank you so much for coming on again. Tell everybody where they can find your videos. Oh, yeah. So very easy to find. You can just go on Google or YouTube, type in our name, Fantasy Football Consultants. The channel will immediately uh, pop in. Check us out. We do a lot of fun things, interactive, free contests. We talked about the Survivor, but we do NFL DFS uh, contests. And um, and uh, we love our community. So uh, check us out. All right. Sounds great. Eric, Gary, it was a pleasure. Uh, good luck uh, with your teams this year and good luck with, uh, with, the t with the channel as well. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having us. Really appreciate it, Jeff. No problem at all. All right. Uh, we got John McKechnie, Mario Puig tomorrow on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Contest on the podcast. Thank everybody for tuning in. Thanks for all the comments. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, if you want to check out our con our content, go to rotowire.com slash pod. You get a free trial. No credit card is required. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.